0: Hello, and welcome to Rare Minds, a podcast by Walter Reed, Army Institute of Research, which we call Rare. I'm your host, Army Captain Tom Nassif. In the previous episode of the podcast, Rare Minds spoke with Lieutenant General Walter Pyatt, Director of the Army Staff, about how he got into the practice of mindfulness, and how it can help soldiers make better choices. Before we get to this episode's exercise, we conclude our discussion with the General, who discusses ways in which the Army is educating soldiers in mindfulness and what he wishes he'd known as a junior soldier. General Pied was interviewed by former Rare Commander Deidre Tehan.
1: Well, sir, we always like to say in the Army, leadership matters. Um, but when it comes to building resilience of our soldiers and our squads, the research we found at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research is that only about 47% of soldiers state that their leaders encourage them to do the resilient skills like mindfulness um, to build up that skill set. What can we be doing better to reach out to leaders to integrate this into their training regimen?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think we have to continue to educate and inform. I mean, it's been since 2010 that we, we – we tried it at, you know, the first large study in the Army, and it's almost 2021, and we're not there yet. So we have to conti- continue to educate and inform. If we direct, we'll lose, and we'll lose the momentum, and, and you know, the antibodies will build up, and people will say, well, you know, we, this, they'll give you every reason why we can't do it. Uh, but once people are exposed, so I think, I think the, the work that uh, your institute is doing, the work that, uh, uh, that Dr. Doc- doc- Amy Adler's doing and Michi Jaw uh, with the War College Project coming up, I think is a good one. We start at these places where we're educating people. So from, from private to general, uh, this ne- we need to expose our soldiers to this practice. It's not about being a better senior leader. It's not about being a better shooter. It's not about being a better private. It, it's It's about being a better being better at yourself and, and when you're there then you can do whatever it is you're doing. It's not some it's not a gimmick to make you a better whatever. It's it's a it's a way to be your best to, that you are. And that, that will help. So I think our projects coming up with the War College I'm excited about because we'll hit senior noncommissioned officers and and, and nominative assignments. We'll hit the one star general officer courses. And I think as they're exposed and, and they get to meet folks that are in this community uh, that advocacy, they will begin to advocate for it, and then and they will begin to share it with their soldiers. But I also believe soldiers, it's not like something you need to be permitted to do. I mean, I never asked. Uh, as a matter of fact, our, our chain of command was a little surprised that we invited uh, Dr. Stanley and Dr. Joe over to wide like, on whose authority? And I said... I didn't know I needed to ask. I'm sorry. But but I practice without asking. There's time to do it. We have off time. But I do believe it should be incorporated into our normal duty. So I do believe it should be encouraged. But until it is, I think the soldiers will do what benefits them. They, they'll they do what works. And, and we should ignore and not do what is not relevant anymore. And I believe that once exposed, you, you see the importance of, of mindfulness and I, I think it will begin to grow. It, al- it already has. I mean, people who are there, the science is, is, is growing every day. It, it, I think the, the, the research will show us uh, that this is something we should do and it, it'll be convincing. Uh, so therefore, even if leaders aren't exposed or don't want to do it or reluctant, they, they can't ignore the science here. And that to me, that's the most convincing because we get a lot of people uh, to try to sell the Army things. And it's always clouded with suspicion. What's their angle? What are they trying to do? And it's always normally technology. It's normally normally you know, millions, if not billions of dollars. Here's something simple, really about doing nothing. Uh, but we're showing you know, physical benefits for soldiers. I think that's compelling. And I think the more we research, the more the science proves it for us, we'll see. And I guess there, were, there was a time people thought that, you know, jogging wasn't good for you and that smoking wouldn't harm you. Well, the science had proved different, and we followed that science, and I think we'll do the same here, and I think it'll be, it'll benefit us.
1: You said you started to practice mindfulness around 2010, but as we read your books, there's a theme of mental displacement that you wrote about years before that. If Lieutenant General Pyatt could get a message to Lieutenant Colonel Pyatt or even Private Pyatt, um, how to mentally prepare before your deployments, what would that be?
2: It's a great question. I, I think I would tell myself simply uh, to slow down uh, and take in the moment and enjoy every, every second uh, and just be there and uh, not to be in a hurry and, and, um, and not to... I mean, not to be in a hurry to, like, grow up, you know, and to get wherever there is. And I, I think that's a, a good point because I think when we're young, we're always looking to the next assignment or the next mission or the next duty, and you forget to be there. And I, but, I, but I think I also would tell myself, as my wife told me many times, you know, don't deploy until you deploy. And I think all my deployments, my preparation for the deployment, I would be gone before... I would be there, and uh, more than I would be there, and I would tell myself to enjoy each moment with my with my wife and children, tell myself, forget about the email it 's not that important you know there's things you, you should be doing uh, but i'd also say to myself that because I think I did some of this too because i 've seen it in many soldiers that it 's okay to you know trust your trust your heart you know I learned as a young soldier that uh, you know War wasn't what we thought it would be. There wasn't, you know, a clear enemy and a clear friendly. It, it was confusing and there were innocent civilians in between it all. And I learned as a, as a soldier that, that um, compassion was more powerful than bullets in many cases. And that we needed to understand the environment and the people and the struggle that they were facing if we were going to achieve anything that would be successful. Uh, I learned going into combat as a battalion commander and and having been in Afghanistan already before, but going back again, I I told our battalion after we trained for months on how to be a lethal force. I told them that we could win this war without killing one more person. And I think that that really – many of them and a lot of young officers told me that really confused them. But then they – when they were there, they realized um, how important that was. And as I tell our soldiers here, and I, I, I would tell myself if I could go back in time, as you suggest, that that kindness really matters, that, that this is a human struggle and and that the people that are, are suffering are are humans too. And we don't have to we should never lose our humanity because we're sent to combat. It needs to be with us. So I think this is what makes American army the best because we do take our values to combat. It, it, it's very difficult and it's what sort of makes coming back a, a, a real struggle. Uh, but mindfulness has helped us uh, deal with that stress. It helps you deal with it when you're there. So when you come back, uh, you can deal with the, the traumatic struggles and events that you've experienced in combat because you didn't isolate them, you were able to regulate while deployed and you, you recognized and dealt with the stress as it came and you were, you were there in the moment. It was extreme stress, extreme fear, you were there, you embraced it, you didn't displace it or, or, or suppress it somewhere so it would just come up and manifest later on uh, post-deployment. And I'd, so I just say, you know, uh, don't be in a hurry, you know, slow down and, and embrace each moment.
1: Has your thinking over the last decade changed on mindfulness?
2: Definitely. Uh, definitely. The the more you do, uh, the more you want to do. And the more you learn and listen to people. There's so many experts out there, and I'm not one of them by any stretch of the imagination. I I, I really respect the instructors and the people who explore this and can explain it. Every time I listen to someone or read a book on, on mindfulness, I learn something more and more. Uh, and it just – it. it you learn to appreciate it and bring it into more moments of your day, is what I would do. But, I'll, but also learn, you know, really practice matters. You practice, practice, practice. Just like uh, any sport, you know, working out, doing anything, the more you do, the better you, you'll get at it. So that is that is just practical. It doesn't really, it should be obvious. Uh, but often we just want a quick thing, you know, a quick pill or one little magic pill or silver bullet to solve something. It doesn't do it. I also learned it on my deployments that early on, uh, I, I often did not think about my family in ways. I tried to keep them in a place that I thought was safe, and I realized it was really just trying to keep me safe from from you know just having to deal with that mentally, dealing with the fact that I was missing them and that, that I was in danger, and I didn't want them to be in danger. And I thought by not thinking of them and putting them away in a place was actually helpful to me. And I, I, I realized last. Deployment, by listening to many folks coach me on this uh, that you have to bring it to the moment. it is part of that reality you know you 're deployed and your your loved ones are not they 're fearful of you they 're worried about you and that 's all you have to recognize that so and I realized the power of you know connection practices and compassion practices and uh, it it 's not magic it, it it helps you and it it um, it, it brought me. It allowed me to be in a moment and be in the moment when I was dealing with some very complex uh, issues uh, while while deployed last time to Iraq. So I think that it's definitely changed over time. I think it will keep changing, and I, I continue to be someone who just has a, a, a large appetite to learn more about this.
1: So, sir, the good news is. When we train soldiers on this through the mindfulness programs, what they tell our rare researchers is that really over 77% of them um, would recommend the training to others and about 70% say they wish they had it earlier in their career. So as we move into the next steps, of implementing this across the Army. What do you think those um, critical steps are to make sure that we continue to make it something people want to do, um, people that they want to explore this and and not something that is um, mandated or forced, or we can take the fun out of anything, right? So how do you not take the fun out of it as we implement it across the force?
2: Yeah, the Army has a way of regulating something so it's no longer fun, we've always said that. But you know, they've always made physical training fun. That's uh, one thing I always remember. It's always it's always the best part of the day, no matter what unit you're in. It's just it's good. Some of them, days are really hard. I mean, it's never easy, but it's a day most units welcome, and they fight to protect it. They don't allow that that to be some something to interrupt that schedule, and that's where I think mindfulness belongs, be, because. It really is. I mean, we all know the benefits of physical training. We feel it, and, if we, and we see the benefits from it. So you improve on your your fitness test. You do better life. You feel better. You're, you're, everything in your life is better. You're eating better. You're healthy. You're sleeping better. Uh, well, mindfulness does the same thing for your mind, and so it's, you know, I would say it's, it's push-ups for your brain. That's where we have to get because we realize if I do push-ups, if I go to the gym, if I do this, I'd, I improve my score, I improve my fitness, I improve my overall health, it's the same thing. It's not, we're just not there. The science isn't compelling enough to everybody. And I think it will be because this research matters. The more they're exposed, the more they're going to learn that this, this is every bit as important as my physical fitness routine. I've got to do my mental fitness routine. And with it, I'll, I'll be a better person. And that better person will be a better soldier. So I think we expose from basic training all the way up to all our professional education courses. I think we make it part of the daily life of the military. Because it is it is the most important part of the army is our people and the most important part of our people is our mind. And we want them to be very clear because we do very, very important things, very strategically important things. Whether it's giving best military advice to leaders of other nations or to our own nation uh, or it's, you know, you're in a terrible Uh, firefighting, you have to be at your most clearest so you can discern targets and and protect your lives of your your team, yourself, and and innocent civilians around you. Uh, These are difficult things we ask our soldiers to do, and we ought to give them every tool to do it to the best of their ability. And we need to do more than teach them how to stand at attention. We need to teach them how to pay attention.
0: Lieutenant General Pyatt is the author of two books, She Came to the Door to Wave Goodbye, A Soldier's Thoughts About Family, Life, and the War in Afghanistan, and Paktika, the Story of the 2nd Battalion, 27th Infantry Wolfhounds in Paktika, Afghanistan.
3: This next practice is called progressive muscle relaxation.
0: Research has shown improvements in tension headache, migraine, hypertension, heart disease, asthma, and it may also help with regulating pain and emotion,
3: as well as helping with sleep disorders and digestion.
0: And how progressive muscle relaxation is thought to work is through a series of phrases that by visualizing them in our body, it can actually evoke changes to our nervous system. So for example,
3: by telling yourself, my arm is warm, Just that intention can actually enhance circulation to your periphery. And
0: by saying my arm is heavy, that can actually relieve muscle tension so that your arm feels more relaxed. And so scientists distinguish between different branches of the nervous system, one being the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, or freeze response. And in these states where we are confronted with something that provokes fear or worry or concern, it can lead to blood rushing to your core, to your heart. So your heart rate increases respiration rate increases, so that you can actually hit harder or run faster. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the polar opposite of this, so that when we're actually relaxed and at ease and calm and grounded, blood instead of shunting to your core flows more to your periphery, to your arms and hands and feet and respiration rate slows down, muscle tension decreases. And you feel overall more relaxed. And so this progressive muscle relaxation practice can actually help stimulate parasympathetic nervous system and shift our response away from sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight, which can enable us to handle stress and regulate our emotions and our uh, bodily response to stress more effectively. So let's begin by settling into a comfortable position. For some, lying down
3: seems to lead to better results with this practice. but you
0: can also do it seated in a chair. And begin by inhaling
3: and exhaling. And taking a few more deep and slow breaths. Feeling your belly rise and fall with each breath. and repeat the following phrases to yourself, and each time visualizing the phrases and feel it in the body. My right arm is warm. My left arm is warm. My right arm is heavy. My left arm is heavy. My right arm is warm and heavy. My left arm is warm and heavy. Both arms are warm and heavy. My right leg is warm. My right leg is heavy. My left leg is warm. My left leg is heavy. My right leg is warm and heavy. My left leg is warm and heavy. Both legs are warm and heavy. My arms and legs are warm and heavy. My heartbeat is calm and regular. My forehead is cool. My arms and legs are warm and heavy. My heartbeat is slow and steady. My forehead is cool. My arms and legs are very warm and relaxed. My arms and legs are heavy and relaxed. My heartbeat is steady, slow, and relaxed. My forehead is smooth and cool. I am relaxed. My mind is quiet. I am at peace. I am at ease. I am. At peace.
0: Rare Minds is hosted by me, Captain Tom Nassif. It's a product of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, commanded by Colonel Clint Murray, and the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, commanded by Brigadier General Michael Talley. Special thanks this week to Colonel Deidre Tehan Colonel Sunset Belinsky, of the Office of the Chief of Public Affairs of the Army, and once again to General Pyatt. Today's final thought comes from Proverbs. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.